Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. Thanks for joining us today for an inspiring message from our East Village location. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we would love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Pastor Stephen, as I gather myself from that emotional moment, yes, I am one that gets emotional at times. I'm told it's healthy, still working that out. Awesome. Well, as Pastor Stephen had said, my name is Shelby, or my name is Brad. My beautiful wife, Shelby, is the one that helps things run smoothly in our home, the joy of our home. And we're so honored to be a part of what we're doing in East Village. And as Owen was sharing, it's always great to have other people that in the community are able to share that we believe as a leadership team that we're only a small part of what we're doing as a community, but it's really each one of you in the seats that form our community that are our hands and feet to your spheres of influence, to the people that you know within our city, that that's what church is. That we may have moments where we're on stage and we're encouraging you in these moments on Sunday where we come to celebrate who Jesus is, but the body of Christ is each and any, every one of us together. It's each and every one that's out there tonight praying for each other through the week, meeting together and gathering together. And so that's why we do what we do. This month we are talking about a topic on community and we've labeled it Embrace the Awkward because who here has had an awkward conversation before? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying to yourself. (laughs) The reality is we all have awkward conversations, but part of relationships is pushing past awkward moments so that we can get to a point where we can grow in friendship and grow in relationship together. And so tonight... That's what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about growing in relationship together. I'm going to talk about some of the things that can be awkward and messy in church as we work through that. This past weekend, I had an opportunity to go to a conference that was a a training for uh, an organization called the Colossian Forum, and they do something called the Colossian Way. And their ministry is based around finding difficult, difficult topics that our world is facing. And so they focus on politics sexuality and the origin stories of creation they're coming out with some new things but they were finding that churches across the u.s and even in canada were being influenced by some of these topics in such a way that division was being created in the church and they thought there needs to be something that we can do where both sides can be brought together where people view things differently and not in a way where one side has to prove to the other side that they're right but in a forum or a an environment where two sides can share their opinion and they can recognize that we may view this topic differently, but there's a commonality that there's a unity that comes with both of us believing in Christ and that there's actually a Christ-led response in how we can deal with some of these topics. And as we were going through it, there was some awkward moments when you have conversations with people who see differently, differently than you. But I think the church is such an incredible place that's like no other on earth 
where people actually come together that have different viewpoints on politics, on social issues, and even at times on spiritual issues of how we interpret aspects of the Bible. But because of Christ, we're able to be unified in a way that nothing else on earth is able to. And as a church, I do believe we can lead the way that we can be at the forefront of being an example to our society, to our communities, about what that looks like. To actually be able to see something differently, but see, still view that person as someone who is to be treated well, to be loved just for who they are. And so, as I had said earlier, we're going to talk about how we grow in relationships tonight. And we've been focusing on a theme verse. I should start my timer. Uh, we've been, the month theme verse has been Acts 2.42, and it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's so much in this verse that we can unpack, and I'm only going to share a little on it, but that aspect of, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it starts with this aspect of the apostles were sharing the gospel message of who Jesus was. And they were devoted to that, but they were devoted to it in such a way that they didn't do it in isolation. They actually did it in community together. That's what it's talking about when it says they did it in fellowship. And then it says, and they were committed to the breaking of bread, which can be a remembrance of communion and what Christ did. But even furthermore, it also speaks to them meeting together in their homes and eating together in shared experiences. And the last part I don't want to miss that, and they did it with prayer. They were, met, they were reminded in these moments that they couldn't do it alone, that what, they were doing it for God, but we can quickly get into just going through the motions and doing things and leave God out of the picture at times with, when we're moving forward with the best intentions, but they remembered that. But there's a verse that even encouraged me more as we go down a few verses to Acts 2.46. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This part, again, people can interpret as that they were breaking bread together, modeling the communion message of who Jesus was and why they were laying down their lives to share the gospel message in a time when Jesus had just passed and they were continuing it on. But it was more than that. When they were meeting in their homes, as they were breaking bread together, that would be the moment where they had conversations. That would be the moment where awkward things would come up, that there would have been tensions on how they viewed things, on how they thought they should go about sharing the gospel message, how they should reach people, but it was in that community that they worked through things. And my first point tonight is that we grow in relationships when we show up. And you might think like, oh, that's just such a simple message, but the reality is relationships are formed when we're around other people, that we can't actually do it when we're in isolation just by ourselves, because then it's just us. So it actually requires us to show up to an environment where other people are around and actually to allow God to move in that environment. And so that's, that's why we as a church, we create different opportunities for you to join in that community experience. We run dinner parties as a place where we can share food together and get to know each other. We run after parties so that after the service, we don't have to just leave when we're on a high and we're excited to speak about what God's doing in our life and reflect on what was spoken in the message. And so we meet together after services. And we run groups so that we can come together to challenge each other and encourage each other and to pray for each other. And so these are ways that we believe that we can grow in community just like the biblical model had shown for us and spoken to. And so tonight, I just want to talk a little bit from Colossians and, and read from Colossians 3 because I believe it 
paint such a beautiful picture of how we're supposed to be operating in unity and what the character qualities of God are supposed to look like expressed through our life. And so we're going to be reading from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 16, and I believe it'll be on our Sky Bible for us. It says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. It's an incredible picture of how we can come together and be in unity together in the church. But it's a very high standard of how we can get to that moment of what this is actually speaking to. As I was preparing for this message, I was um, reading through some surveys by the Barna Group, and they, they have done surveys on why people are leaving the church and what things have been happening, but I had come across a survey that was talking about what are the reasons behind people who believe in church and are coming to church go to church. And the top one, at 44, at 44%, people were talking about the reason, the first reason they come to church is to grow closer to God. The second one at about 27% was that so they could learn about God. And so we could agree with those. It's great to come to church to learn about God and to grow closer to God. But I was curious about some of the other things that people had talked about. And, and down at 20%, so one in five people had shared, they come to church because the the Bible talks about this idea of fellowship. It was actually down at 10%, one in 10 people that said they actually come to church looking for community. And as I read this, it startled me a little bit, but it made me think either people have missed part of the picture of how God created us to be in relationship with him as well as community, or that people aren't actually finding the community that they're looking for in the church. And so as I wrestled with this, I had to think about what is that reason that, that people might be missing out on that. That people all across of Canada and the globe come into church and, and many people will, will show up to avoid the time where we gather together before a service. They will come in and, and sit at the back of the, in the seats. I'm not saying if that's you sitting in the back. But the reality is people come in late. They, they sit at the back so that they can slip out and don't talk to anybody. And they actually are approaching their Christian faith as this, I want to learn about God. I want to know who he is, but I don't need to find community within the church. And the reality is that that's never been the standard, the model that God intended for us to grow together. Even from the Old Testament times when God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle or the temple, they placed it in such a place that it was in the middle of community so that when, when God dwelt among the people, that the community also dwelt together in relationship with God and with each other. And it was always supposed to be a model of, of God's light to the rest of the people around them. And in the New Testament, we see this in Acts 2 where the church gathered together, where believers gathered together in fellowship because they realized now that Christ is dwelling within us, that it doesn't stop there, but as we grow in relationship and community together, that's where we can wrestle with some of the, the tougher issues of what we're facing in life. 
and maybe even some of the things that we disagree with. My second point for tonight is that we actually grow in relationship when we're willing to be vulnerable. It's so hard to actually take that next step of sometimes we'll show up to something, but we'll kind of, we'll stand back in fear of like, well, are these people going to accept me for who I am? Are these people going to be able to relate to me and connect to my personality or my interests? And so often that can be our mindset going into churches is how we can connect. And this conference that I was at really reminded me of the incredible aspect of the church of when we can come together and actually disagree on some big things that are happening within our society, but that we can see Christ in others and that we can actually grow together in relationship and, and be okay at times with recognizing that someone else sees something totally different than we do, but that we can love them as Christ would love them, that we can grow and we can journey with them the way that Christ does. And I'm reminded that there's been so many times in my own life that relationships have happened and formed from places that I never expected. I remember when I went away to Bible college and a friend of mine had a history of, of drug dealing and had seen so much violence and death. And one of the early weeks in his school, he was like, hey man, do you want to keep each other accountable? And being a good Christian, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Little did I know what I was getting into of what I was keeping me accountable to. And little did he know even what he was asking me for. He had just heard it was talked about in class. And so he's like, that sounds like a good thing to do. And so he just asked me. But the incredible thing was, even though our paths were so different, that God used us in incredible ways to speak into each other's lives. And there was many times that we disagreed on things, that we saw things differently. But it was actually in those moments where we wrestled with things and we, we kind of in conversation would argue and debate back and forth on things that God would speak to each one of us through each other. And that there would be a grace that came through that as we were unified in what we were doing and sharing the gospel message to the places that we were going. There's an incredible story in the Bible that is one of my favorites, but it's, it's a story of being vulnerable and awkward within the cultural context of its time. And this story is the, the story of the book of Philemon. And it's a small book, but it's a powerful book with the message. And to give you some of the context what's happening, there's a slave owner and there's a slave. And the, the history behind this story shares with us that this slave likely stole something from his slave owner and fled. And to understand the Roman context, the slave who had run away when he was found, when he came back to his slave owner under Roman law, was allowed to be punished, was allowed to be branded, and was allowed to be even killed if the, the crime was high enough for that. And furthermore, if anybody was, was caught harboring or taking care or with this slave, that they would have to pay whatever the cost was that that slave owner had lost with that slave. And as the story progresses, we see that at some part of the journey, Onesimus is the name of this slave. He had run into Paul, and Paul is imprisoned, and Paul meets Onesimus, and he leads him to Jesus. And Onesimus becomes such a significant part of Paul's life in his ministry that Paul views him as a spiritual son and views him as a, such a valuable piece of his ministry that he, it's hard for him to, to see how to do ministry without him. But Paul does something countercultural, and he says, I'm sending a letter to Colossae where your slave owner is, and I would like you to take and deliver this letter to your former slave owner. So here again, remembering the awkward situation that the slave is in to have to now present himself before his slave owner, knowing the consequences that are justified under Roman law. 
Here's an awkward and vulnerable situation for the slave owner Philemon who's receiving this letter publicly and Paul's addressing it in such a way for him to receive his slave back as a brother in Christ. And so, and here's Paul who has harbored this slave understanding the cost of what he should be paying in relation to this. Three people in a vulnerable situation embracing the awkwardness of this situation but believing that God could do something incredible through this moment. And so we're going to pick this up in verse 8 of Philemon. And we're going to read Paul's words, which I always love to read, the, the way he goes about saying it. In verse 8, it says, For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this, perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. An incredible message. I love always how he says, I'm not telling you to do this, even though you owe me your own soul, and I'm giving you the opportunity to volunteer in doing this. But the incredible thing is, is Paul's actually calling something out in Philemon, and he's showing him the godly perspective that many times can be in opposition to the earthly perspective of what we see. Now, my third point tonight is that we actually grow in relationships when we're willing to be encouraged and receive correction well. It's easy to receive encouragement. And I likely believe that even when you read the first part of all of Paul's letters, it's always encouraging who he's writing to of how proud of them he is, how encouraged he is by the things that they're doing in the name of Christ. And so Philemon would have known that, that Paul is someone who not only led him to Christ, but is encouraging him to continue the good work that he's doing in the region of Colossae. But here he has a moment where, where Paul is correcting him in something of, here's the world's way of doing things, and here's the God's way of doing things. Here's the biblical standard, and here's man's standard. And it would have been very difficult for Philemon to receive this correction well. Not only was he thinking about accepting his slave back without a punishment or a consequence for what happened, but Paul is asking him to no longer view him as a slave, but rather as an equal who would be serving and ministering in his church. 
Philemon is a pastor of a house church in the city of Colossae, and both the letter to the Colossians and this letter to Philemon and the people in his house who are meeting together, these letters are addressed to. So this would have been a public act that Philemon would have had to take. This would have been a public act that other slave owners would have had to respond to of what happens if this happens with one of my slaves. What happens if the slaves revolt, in which case the Roman authorities would have come in and been involved to stop the revolt and thus seen Christianity as a revolt towards the Roman Empire. There was many things at play, but I do believe that Paul was receiving a message from God of something so incredible. This is actually the only letter of Paul's that he actually doesn't share about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that's because he doesn't need to share about it when he's representing it through his very life. Where he's standing in the place of, of Onesimus and saying, whatever he is, in any way that he's wronged you, pay that to me. I'll take that on. I'll stand in the gap between the two. Similar to how Jesus stood in the gap for our sin and where we, where we fell short and where we continue to fall short. But it's such an incredible picture of how when we get the perspective right on God's kingdom of how we can live together and grow together in community. The challenging part is, is how do we learn to forgive someone in that situation who's wronged us, who's done something that it's justified that there's a consequence for it, but God's saying, let's look past that. My fourth point tonight is that we grow in relationship, actually, when we learn to forgive well. In Colossians 3.13, we had read earlier, it says, Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. My reminder tonight is that church is messy. That if, if you commit to coming to this church, I can promise you there will be a moment where you get offended. Not because we're intending to offend you or to push you away, but because the reality of human nature is things will come up where offenses will happen. And my encouragement tonight is to actually be able to look past some of those offenses and actually to learn to forgive well. And in this moment, by no means am I uh, justifying any abusive relationships or abusive spiritual authority in relationships, but I'm talking about can we actually go to the people when there's an offense that happens and have a conversation and work through that together? Or when we have a disagreement and see things differently, a lot of the times we often approach that person and they didn't even know that they offended us or hurt us deeply. But giving them that opportunity to share in that moment, yes, we're being vulnerable, but we're also learning to forgive well and to allow the unforgiveness that we often carry within our life to be broken off and to laid it, be laid at the cross where Jesus can take care of that we can actually move forward free from those things that hold us back. The reality is that we, we do look for relationships with people who share common interests with us. But I would encourage us to not let those limitations of people who may not see things the same way as us be boundaries or walls that we're not willing to grow in relationship with those people. When we enter into groups within the church, we often, many times even unintentionally, find ourselves within relationships where people see things differently and where people have different interests. But we can create such an incredible relationship with these people that sees Christ in them and can be a model to the rest of our world. In Proverbs 17, 9, it says, 17, verse 9, it says, One who forgives an affront fosters friendship, 
but one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. This is a challenging one for me because I'm one of those people that I like the details, I like the facts of a situation, and so when I know I have the facts straight and I know I'm in the right, it's hard for me to acknowledge the relationship is being broken because I can't see past my mindset of being right. Maybe some of you can relate to me tonight that there's moments where we got to look past, are we right or wrong, and are we ruining a friendship? Can we actually see where someone else is coming from so that we can take a step towards them to actually be the first one to apologize, to actually be the first one to try to regrow this relationship that's been broken? Because I think that's where we come to a healthy place where we can actually see Christ moving in a way that we could never do on our own, and we know he's at the center of the issue. In Colossians 1.17, it says, He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This book of Colossians speaks about the supremacy of Christ as the head of the church. But I think many times we forget that it's him that's holding all things together and not us. And when we can see Christ in others, it actually shifts our perspective. Instead of just focusing on ourselves, we start thinking about other people and preferring other people before ourselves in a way that is very healthy for us and very healthy for not only our relationships, but for community as a whole. And that's the, the type of environment that we want to create here. If this is a place that you call home, we want to create opportunities where you can take that step, where you can show up to something and, and be vulnerable and feel that this is a safe place where people are going to support you, where people are going to pray with you. And when offenses do come, that we're doing our best to create a culture where we can work through those offenses together. When disagreements do come, that we provide a space where we can talk through those things and be able to recognize that it's all right to see things differently. We believe in keeping the main things the main thing and that we understand that Jesus is the Son of God. And there's certain biblical principles that we stand by. But there's a lot within the Bible that I believe until... The time that Jesus returns, we won't fully know all of the answers. And if we don't create space where we can dialogue about those things, we actually fracture and disunify the body of Christ like it was never intended to be. But we can actually be those people that acknowledge you see something differently than I do, and I value that about you because I see Christ in you, and I love you for who God has made you to be. And as we do that, we model an authentic Christianity that is attractive to people and not turning people away from a misrepresentation of the church and who Christ is. As we end, I'm just going to ask the, uh, the band to come back up on stage. My final point tonight is that we grow in relationship when we're willing to give of ourselves. I believe it starts with showing up and being willing to take a step of being vulnerable so that we can begin growing in relationship. The depth of a relationship grows when we're not only willing to be encouraged, which I think is so important within relationships, but we're willing to receive correction from the leaders over us who we've positioned ourselves under and from friends who we've allowed to have a voice in our life who see something even in the times we don't want to see it and call something out in us. Are we willing and open to receive that correction? Because when then when we're in that place, I feel that we're, we're people that are ready to give by just showing up, willing to be vulnerable, understanding that community can be messy, but that we all have a role to play. Each and every one of you here is a part of God's church.
And many of you are a part of our community that continue to keep showing up. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.